Last week, Pastor Prohl uh, delivered a message to talk about the middle words of the psalm. Obviously, it begins, The Lord is my shepherd, and it ends with, I will dwell in the house again of the Lord forever. But it's the, the middle part that is the scary part of that beautiful psalm, especially going through the, the shadow of the valley of death. That shadow, that specter, that known promise of death is really, truly scary. And, and sometimes life gets so overwhelming that we wonder how we're ever going to continue. So I'm going to give you a little analogy again. I love what Laura did uh, with the children. We're going to do a little uh, audience participation as well. So everybody has to stand up. Go ahead and stand up. So how many of you have ever done a triathlon? Anybody here? A couple of you have done a triathlon. So I've never done this. I've I've watched it on TV some. So, you know, this is from a novice's uh, understanding. But you begin with, what, a 2.4-mile swim? Is that right? Okay, so pretend you are swimming. Can you do that? Do some swimming, okay, right? Now, if you're like me, you've got to hold your nose. And it's hard to swim holding your nose, uh, you know, and, and swimming with one arm, which is probably why I don't swim so well. Uh, try that. So that's 2.4 miles. Now, my only experience with long-distance swimming is, as a Boy Scout, you had to swim a mile to get a badge. And I remember when we had to swim a mile that morning, I was, I, I was just so nervous and anxious that I threw up ahead of time. So practice that. Well, no, don't practice that. Don't do that. All right, then I think it's 112 miles on a bike, right? Okay, I, I will never ride a bike because I can't wear those shorts. I mean, really, you know, I'm just not going to do that. It's all about fashion, so we're not going to do that. Then finally... And, and this just boggles my mind. Did you ride your bike? I didn't see anybody riding a bike. Come on, got to ride your bike. Come on, let's pedal, right? How are you going to do that, right? Pedal, okay. So then you finish with what? It's a full marathon, which is what? 26.2 miles. Again, my experience when I was in high school, we had for football, you had to run a mile under a certain amount of time, I think six minutes before they would let you practice with the team. So that's my experience. Now you're running 26.2. So let's run. All right, run a little bit. 26.2, 26, you're still running. We could be here for what, two hours yet? Yeah, keep on running. Okay. So anybody tired yet? I mean, I'm tired just thinking about it. So go ahead and sit down. We've got to rest a little bit. To me, that is what life sometimes feels like. But it's not so much the physical, is it? It's the emotional strain. It's what our mind conjures up, what the future might hold. And we have all of this anxiety and worry and dread. We can get so tired. We can be jaded. We're almost spent. So what to do? I don't know what sustains the the marathoner or the triathlete, the Iron Man or woman, how they can conjure up the will to continue and to finally finish. But it's very clear what God has given to us as a resource for life. 
And that is this middle part, this blessed part of the psalm. David writes, you being God, you, my good shepherd, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I love how there is this material imagery. God often does that. He gives us tangible, real things that we can touch and hold and taste and smell to remind us of the intangible, of the spiritual and the eternal. So it begins with, you prepare a table. Now, you're going to have to think a little bit in your mind and somebody tell me, what is your favorite meal? Meatloaf. If anybody love meatloaf, raise your hand, right? I love meatloaf. What else do you love? What's another meal that you love that's your favorite meal? Chicken, I heard. Fried chicken. Used to do that on Sundays back on the farm. What else? Tacos, right? Love a good taco, right? Those are good. Any steak lovers out there? A lot of steak lovers. So, you know, I love lots of food, and yet I think the day that goes along with food is always Thanksgiving. Anybody love Thanksgiving? It's not so much the turkey. Turkey's good, but it's all the fixings that go along with it, right? And it's not just those extra heaping bowls of corn and mashed potatoes and and the dressing and the gravy and all those things, but it's the entire visual presentation, isn't it? Now, we used to, Sharon used to, when she would have our family over in St. Louis and Atlanta, we would have not just all the food, but the presentation. Does anybody use China anymore? Hardly at all. Now it's paper plates for the most part, right? We used to get out the good China, you know, the ones that people spend all this money on for your wedding, which we haven't seen in 30 years, uh, the people either, by the way. But anyways, so you've got this china, and you've got the, the beautiful tablecloth, and, and the lit candles, and the good silver. All of this is out. And then you've got all the pie at the end, you know, apple and cherry and, and pecan, and ice cream on top of that, and whipped cream on top of that. Anybody getting hungry yet? So, you know, you've got this great presentation. That's what God does. Just as food strengthens our body, God renews our strength with this meal. We have his presence, not just once a year at Thanksgiving, not just on your birthday, not just at Christmas, but always and continuously. David is reminded that God wasn't just with him at some time in the past, but he's always, always there. So then he says, the second part of that first verse, or the second part of that, that first point, he says, in the presence of my enemies. Again, think of the life of David. David's life was an unrelenting battle from the time that he was a child. He was just a young boy when he faces the giant Goliath. Talk about an enemy. 
the Philistines and their army. But not just that, when he was a shepherd boy, the predators, the bears and the lions, the the jackals, the hyenas. And not just that, but his own brothers often heckled him. Anybody have brothers that heckle you? Yeah, that was me growing up. I'm right in the middle. You know, we were always fighting. Sometimes it's family, isn't it? Maybe not just a childhood spat. David's son, Absalom, turned on him. They were in a war, in a battle for the kingdom. David, throughout his entire life, faced battles. And not just physical ones, but spiritual ones as well. So who are your enemies? Maybe it's people, I don't know. Maybe there's conflict in your family. Maybe at your work. Maybe you have a neighbor that's constantly harassing you about one thing or another. But it probably goes beyond that, doesn't it? Our greatest enemy, our greatest foe is the devil. Satan is real. And not just Satan, but all of the devils. Those evil spirits. They have one job and one job only, and that is to harass God's people so that they might lose their faith. It's why the devil loves so much to bring down Christian leaders. Because when the leader falls, people begin to doubt. That's why Satan attacks marriages, the institution that God gave in the very beginning of one man and one woman for the rest of their life. All of these things are conspiring against us. Not just flesh and blood, but spirits. And even within ourselves. The world tempts us, the devil tempts us, but our own sinful nature is sometimes the biggest enemy that we have. Every week we come to this place and we make our confession, don't we? Because the battle rages on. The battle with the temptations. Mostly our own sinfulness. And so we confess and we are reminded that we have a God who is always there to renew our strength. Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 4, I can do all things, not just on my own, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And how does he do it? It's not just magic. He uses means. It's what you heard earlier. Jeff was reading the Word of God. That's where we get our strength. We get our strength from the people who are gathered which is why it is so important for us to continue to gather. To gather, not just for ourselves to hear the word, but to encourage one another. I can't tell you how much your presence encourages me every Sunday. I mean, I could just worship here alone, by myself. You can do the same at home. But when you're gathered with your family, with the physical presence of others, how much more that strengthens us. And of course, we have the holy meal, the table, 
the Thanksgiving dinner, the bread, the wine. As miraculous as it was for Jesus once to take those few fishes and loaves of bread to bless it, to lift it up to the, to the Heavenly Father, as miraculous as it was to feed those 5,000 plus men and women and children, it's even more miraculous in my estimation that that same bread can be broken here at this table and distributed amongst all of you and the thousands and the hundreds of thousands and the millions of Christians around the world who celebrate together. In that miraculous meal, our sins are forgiven. We receive new strength to fight off the enemies, the devil, the world, and our own sinfulness. Because in that meal, we not only have Jesus giving us the bread, but he is the bread. He is the wine. His body and blood are truly present in the meal. And so when you are feeling like you are swimming or running or biking emotionally and spiritually, and you're spent and you're jaded and you're tired, trust in the Lord, for he will renew your strength. He goes on to say in the same imagery of the psalm, You anoint my head with oil. Not only does God renew our strength, but he also gives us a purpose. I probably preach more sermons on that than anything else. Pastor, what's my purpose? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Well, he tells us once again with this analogy of of anointing. Now, in the Old Testament, oil was used for only a select group of people. How many of you here are are priests? Anybody? No? Prophets? Anybody? Not so much? How about kings? Got any kings out there? I know some of you act like kings. Sure. Right? Prophets, priests, kings. And yet every one of you has been anointed. In your baptism, just as Samuel was anointed as a prophet, just as Saul was anointed as a king, just as David was anointed as a king, the oil was poured on their head and it ran down into their beard and then it it covered their robes. Symbolic that the Lord blesses every part of them. The same thing happened to you in your baptism. Not with oil, but with water. And it doesn't matter how that water ran down, whether you were drenched or dunked, or whether it was just the thumbprint dipped in moisture on your forehead. Because God's power is through His Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, coupled with that water in baptism. And so you are truly a priest. As Luther said, the priesthood of all believers. Not just this guy up here in the, in the funny dress, right? But all of you have been anointed for a purpose. 
to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because it is in that that God is glorified. The one thing that the Lord wants more than anything else is for all of his children to know him and to love him as you already do. Again, the words of Paul, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There in your notes, if you're paying attention, just look directly across in a question for you. What's your purpose in life? It's not the answer of the world to be successful, to make lots of money, to have a great family. All those things are wonderful and good. Your purpose, share the good news. To love God, to love people. That is how the Lord is glorified. For you are that priest already anointed by the Holy Spirit. And so God renews our strength. He gives us purpose. And finally... Our cup is already overflowing. God blesses us with joy. Now, there is one version of Christianity that kind of goes like this. It's there in your notes. Tell me if you've ever heard anything like this before. Raise your hand. Life stinks, but heaven is coming. That's the message of so many people. Life is tough. It sucks, right? You say that a lot. Your kids say that a lot. Life is hard. We know that. People get sick. They lose their jobs. Relationships break up. People die. Not a very pretty picture. But heaven's coming, so it's all okay. (laughs) How does that make you feel? That's not what life is all about. Sure, it's hard, and yes, there is sin, And there is temptation. But David says, and we can say along with him, that my cup is overflowing. Not just with problems and hardship, but with blessings. There is joy right now. The abundant life is already yours. You don't have to wait to heaven to have joy in your heart. It's kind of like the family circus. You know that cartoon? It's in the paper every day. Been a number of years ago, little Billy, you remember little Billy? He's there, and what's the the blessing that you say when someone sneezes? God bless you, right? It comes from the bubonic plague. Billy, not knowing that, he he simply says, he sneezes, achoo, his, his mother says, God bless you. He thinks, wow, we've got something good going on here. So he does it again, and his mother says, what? God bless you. So he's, wow, we're really, really getting lots of blessings here. So he does it again. Achoo, his mother says, God bless you. He does it again. Achoo, God bless you. He does it again. Achoo, you say, no, mother says, you're pushing it, Billy. Right? I mean, come on. You can only do this so much. But Billy says, I just wanted more blessings. You've got it. No matter what, you've got God's blessings. I would encourage you today to count your blessings. Certainly the material, 
your house, your home, your job, your family. But so much more than that. The forgiveness that God gives unquestioningly. The grace, that cup is overflowing. Though we do not deserve any of these things, God continues to pile them on. It's like the illustration, the analogy, the the object lesson that Laura did, that water continues to flow to the top, to the rim of the cup. And it keeps on pouring and, and overflowing in every area of our life. It's like the the little boy who was in trouble with his father. And like so many of us, he was saying his prayers at the end of the day, just before he goes to sleep. He had, he had knelt there by his, his bed, and, and he was saying, bless mom, and, and bless my brother, and bless my sister, and, and bless my teacher, and, and bless my dog, and bless my turtle, and all of these things. And he ends with, Amen. And then he points to his dad who's right there praying with him. And he says, you notice that you weren't included. (laughs) Right? That's not our God. That's not our Heavenly Father. He blesses us no matter what. He gives us strength when we're overwhelmed in this life. When we're tired and jaded and we wonder if we can ever overcome our enemies. He anoints us for a purpose. To love Him and others. To to glorify our God. To share the good news. And indeed, our cup just continues to run over with all the blessings that He wants to give to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He gives me all of these blessings and He simply asks that we trust in Him. May God grant that to you so that you can experience all of the blessings that he has for you. Amen.